Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 100th episode of the PJ Archive. It's an interview I did with the American actor, singer and TV personality David Hasselhoff. Best known for starring in the international hit TV series Knight Rider and Baywatch and more recently as a judge on America's Got Talent and Britain's Got Talent. My interview with him took place in London in 1991, when he was quite recently married for a second time and a father for the first time. And he had a new album out. It's called Close to Heaven, and it is, that's the album, and it is a combination of, um, I'd call it Euro-pop dance tunes, but uh, emphasis mostly on ballads. The single is called Are You Still In Love With Me, which was a cover tune by Anne Marie. She did it uh, about 10 years ago. And uh, the other single that's being released in Britain is called uh, Gypsy Girl. And Are You Still In Love With Me and Gypsy Girl will both be out sometime in October. Do you write any, any of your own material at all? I will write a lot of the um, material on my next album coming up. This was. This album, all the songs came at a time when I was so busy doing Baywatch, I didn't have a chance, but just to say yes or no. So I'm working on one, coming up with my own new style, a.k.a. Baywatch, that's harder and more American, and uh, getting a lot of really good response to it. It's, It's really more me. However, this album, this third album, is by far the best I've ever done, and there's some really good stuff on it. Baywatch and your singing career has really taken off. Yeah, Knight Rider's been popular for years now. You must be very satisfied with the way your career's going. Well, I am. I, 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 it's an exciting time because I'm producing. And it's funny. I've always wanted to produce, you know, because I, you see so much inadequacies and you see so many people making mistakes and you see so much bureaucracy and egos, mostly egos, in the way and that you just go, why do I have to deal with this, you know? Why are you making it so difficult for me? Why can't I do... A night rider about people, you know. I mean, I, I was the night rider, and I had to fight for a show where I got married. I said, "You guys are nuts." I said, "Guys, what a ratings blockbuster! Getting married on the show, you know." And uh, I was constantly having to, to battle for for good plot lines. I mean, every week was a, was a battle on Night Rider, and the same happened with Baywatch. And I finally gave up on Baywatch, and I said, "I don't care. I'm not going to do this anymore." You want to make it murder at the beach? Go ahead and. But I don't want to be in it. And when it was canceled, I said, fine, that's fine. I'm going to go do my music anyway and try and go. I was going to move to New York and, and follow my roots, which is really musical theater. And, you know, I said, you know, I made, it, I made money and I spent a lot of time doing television. And then I don't want to just kind of stay in mediocrity just for the sake of making the money. So did you actually consider quitting all these programs like Knight Rider and Baywatch and just going and do something else completely different? Yeah, I did. I, well, when Knight Rider was over, I, 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 wanted, I pursued a, a music career. I was going to do Grease, the musical. And then all of a sudden, my, I had this pop career that came out of nowhere, and I thought, well, I'd like to go to Europe and, and explore this pop career thing. And, and it was just on a whim that I went for a three-week tour with a kit car, and, and I went to Austria, and... and and we, we, we put the whole tour together in two weeks in my living room and pre-recorded most of the music and went in and did the show and it was this raging, phenomenal success. And it led me to a longer, a new pop career with a new producer that just really took off. Mm. 
to where I sold 4 million records and now I'm playing 12,000 seaters. To what extent do you think that pop success is due to your success as Knight Rider and Baywatch? It's due to, it's, it's due to the promotion, that's all. It allowed me to reach the people. I was able to get on television on the Des O'Connor shows. I was able to do the biggest shows in Germany. I was able to utilize my notoriety to show the people that I can sing. And if I didn't have anything to offer, they wouldn't buy four million records. They'd say, what a nice singer, thank you very much. But I've hooked up with the right producer over there who has a line on, on the German music, the German beat, uh, the European beat, uh, it's, which is, I find, quite different than the London beat. Yeah. So I... Uh, Would you say you're struggling to make it over here as a pop star? I, I'm struggling because I don't really have the right music yet. I don't have the right music that's worldwide yet. My music really strictly is written, patterned, and developed for a specific audience in Germany. We say it's worldwide, but I know for a fact that I'm not really sure that my producer has a line on, on the world market. I'm not really sure. In, in one way, it's, I hate to say that because I know that when I did Crazy For You, which was one of my singles, I released it here. The only reason I didn't make it here is because BBC One wouldn't play it. It played twice on television and made the charts at 127. I mean, that's way the hell down there, but it made the charts. Do you think that shows the other side of the coin, that because you are known as an actor, people won't take you terribly seriously as a pop singer? It's not people. It's the radio. It's, it's the powers that be. It has nothing to do with the people. The people, they take me very seriously as an entertainer, and because I, I can sing, and I come from musical comedy, but and I come from a trained voice. But it's it's a communication that I have with my audience. My my audience is kids. You say that your music is geared towards Germany. Is that because when you first started out, you found that it went down best in Germany, so you thought you'd concentrate on that market? No, what happened was I, I, I recorded a record in the United States that was just a terrible record that was thrown down my throat by a, a self-righteous producer who wanted to make a quick buck. But it went, very, it went, it went to number one in Austria. Uh, the, the album did, uh, on the strength of me being a TV star. So when I went to Austria, I met the German producer, and the German producer really knows the German beat, and he's been releasing stuff there for 20 years. So it's because it's, it went down there only because he knows that German music. I think that it would actually, there's certainly there's a lot of songs on the records. I've got three records that if I did a compilation, I, that I know would, get, would do well. I'm getting a major offer from Japan um, coming in next week uh, to do music. They've heard my record, they're flipping out over my voice. And it's just that I have not been released in America, which doesn't give me that worldwide credibility. I'm kind of going in the back door from country to country. Are you seeking that worldwide credibility? Is that what you're after? I'm just probably after a good night's sleep right about now, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't really know. I want to go to Japan, right. check it out. I, li I, love, I love performing in concert. If I could play America, that would be great. Is that the most satisfying area of your career now because it's direct contact with the audience? Because if you're on TV, you don't see your audience. It's a great, great thing. It's a great thing to have a big show and 12,000 people chanting your name and you come out mm. there and you do it. And It's great. Um, I like the best. I have the best of both worlds right now. I don't, you know, what I'd like to do is initially get Baywatch going. Knight Rider looks like it's coming back. Produce Knight Rider, get that going. Phase myself out of these and go off and 
produce some feature films, you know, and, and try to get into features is what I'd like to do. So that's, you're going to wean yourself off pop eventually as well, are you? Is that the idea? Well, I'm gearing towards pop, going more towards ballads now, romantic ballads, and going in that direction. But I really haven't broken the stage yet. And everybody who hears my music, the kids love it. Mm -hmm. They just don't know where to get it. They have to go to Germany to get it. And then America won't release it because the Americans are like the British, and we, we are the Americans, and we are the British. And, mm -hmm. We do it this way, and we don't want any Germans telling us what to do. And so that's basically it. Now, if I went in there with Quincy Jones behind me, I'd probably be on the radio right now. Mm. Because I can, you know, if anybody gives me a song to interpret, I can interpret it and sing it, and I certainly have got the outlets. But in, in certain countries like here in America, it's uh, the powers that be work against you, you know, when, you're, when you try to cross over. Um, and it's also stupid, you know. You're obviously very keen to promote the music side of your career, but I mean, a lot of the selling of a musician or a pop star is depending on their image, and you've obviously right. got a very strong image. Yeah. Is that very important to you? Yeah, it's very important to me. It's, it's, um, it's very, yeah, it's very important to me. How do you feel about the image you have? Are you quite happy with it? That's I'm very happy with myself. Yeah. I know I'm a good person, and I know that I, I, I'm a compassionate person, and I, I, uh, I keep things in perspective because I spend a lot of time with... Um, terminal children. I work a lot with the Starlight Foundation. And um, I get very hurt by people hurting my image. And there's press coming out about me tomorrow about a, a stupid little thing that, that it just sickens me because I spend my whole year, my whole life being a good guy and being health conscious and I got involved with the wrong doctor for three weeks and they're exploiting my name and, and it, it really saddens me. Can you put us straight on that story? Because there are, as you say, lots of rumors flying about you and a doctor and some steroids and all yeah. that sort of thing. I really look like I'm on steroids, right? I weigh 186 pounds. I went to a doctor for three weeks about a year ago, and I was feeling run down. And he was a nutritionist, and this was the guy to go to. So the doctor said, hey, you want to get some strength, get some stamina. I'll put you on this program. You're anemic. We did the blood test. And he said, I, I believe that if these are used in the right way, that they're a very positive drug, and we'll try this out. So I said, okay. So for three weeks, I tried it out, and I didn't like the results, and I got away. And I left, and I never heard from him again. And all of a sudden, this doctor gets busted for supposedly doping out like thousands of doses for years and years and years to other people. And they interviewed 100 people, and they chose my name. And I went in and told the truth. I went in. I could have walked in there and said, well, I went to him. You know, I was sitting there with the doctor, and I didn't know that if I thought that I was doing something illegal or wrong. What the fuck do I want to be a, a giant muscle builder for? For Christ's sake, all I was trying to do is to build up what I had at that moment in time. It was, it was a whim. I was there for three fucking weeks. And now they've taken my name and they've just explored it all over the world. And, it's, and it saddens me because I don't have any problem with it. I mean, I know I'm a good person and I know I didn't do a damn thing wrong. But, you know, see, I've been such a good, clean-cut boy all my life that uh, I knew that eventually that you know, they were waiting, and so this was, I'm, I'm guilty of just going to the wrong doctor. Mm. But the doctor's pleading not guilty, and I hope the doctor gets off. I really do. Mm. How do you feel about drugs, and how, how do you stand on that issue? I, th I see it just probably destroying many, many careers, mm. many of my friends' careers, many of my friends' marriages. I see it um, totally messing up the inner cities with the kids mm. and the the uh, the ghettos because it's a quick way out for money. Mm -hmm. um, because you say it's affected your friends, do you come into contact with it much? Not anymore. No, not anymore. In the earlier days of my life, I did. I grew up in the 60s, you know. I mean, the 70s. In the 70s, there's 
you know, it was free spirit and it was all the college days and experimental drugs and then it changed to coke and then it changed then it changed to pot, then it went to coke, you know, and but around what I was doing, Night Rider, I, I I was it was before Night Rider. You know, Night Rider was kind of you know, I was a superhero, that's when I started to clean my act up, you know. But everybody was it was it was everywhere for a while. It was like the passe thing. And How involved did you get though? Me, I didn't really. I never got involved. I never. I never. It never. I always thought it was ridiculous to spend all that money. <laughs> you know, I got involved in. I got involved in, in women more than anything. Was that your downfall? That was my drug. Yeah. Really? Oh, they killed me. They destroyed me. Do they not anymore? They're still well. God, I don't know. I think every every behind every broken man is a is some obsessed relationship. You know. Behind every broken marriage too. Isn't yeah. There's a lot of those. Yeah. A lot of obsessed stuff. Yeah. Was it? Did you find it difficult to settle down originally because you were in so much demand? You had just about every woman you could possibly want. I couldn't fall in love, you know. And then when I did fall in love, I fell in love with the wrong person. And then I couldn't fall out of love because then I was obsessed by it, and I was obsessed by me being feeling guilty of you know me me ruining the relationship. But it was. I think it was. I think it was something that I wanted to do on a personal level because I, everything was going so great. I wanted to have some dark side of me. You know, my whole life's been great. <laughs> right. How do you mean you wanted to? What, what is this dark side you're talking about here? Well, something about feeling guilty for being so successful, right. for being the tallest, for being the best, for getting the lead part, yeah. for getting the biggest check, for getting the best girl. You know, why? And then turning around and working with these kids. I'm a real sensitive, compassionate guy, and I feel for. I can. I have a relationship with everybody that I meet and I don't treat anybody with lack of respect and that includes the person who will deliver the, the lunch. Is know? it difficult to stay faithful? Faithful? No, not at all. Not at all. I'm so in love right now and I have a baby and I look at that baby right now and I'm not going to go screw around and, and chance losing my child mm -hmm. over six seconds of ecstasy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so what difference did it make to your life when um baby came along. It's a tailor isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I went from being rock star to father immediately. I mean, completely, the whole world of rock star to completely dedicated father for 117 days. All I did was take care of that baby and nothing else and never left home, never had a drop of alcohol, never did anything but, but focus in on that child and my wife. And it was great. It was like a total cool experience. Mm. And now it's gone so fast. The baby's like walking and eating and running, and, mm -hmm. and um, she's been a part of my whole life. She goes everywhere with us, except on this trip. She was probably been to seven countries. Is this the first time you've been away from her? I was away for five days earlier um, this year. It was in Monte Carlo for the World Music Awards. I was hosting that, mm -hmm. but only short trips like this. It's crazy to take her. She, besides, she's already been to London. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you really miss her then? Yeah, I miss. I don't miss a real a uh, whole lot right now because I'm still trying to figure out. By the time, by the time I catch up with my sleep, I'll be on an airplane back. And I know that if she was here, I would be really exhausted trying to keep her from pulling things off the wall and eating things. And it's also um, I have people now that my parents and people who've been with me for ten years that the baby absolutely loves, you know, and they just worship her. So she's a lot better off there. Now we um, imagine you, you know, we see you in these TV series and things, imagine the scene a bit like Three Men and a Baby with you sort of 
trying it's to close, trying man. to handle the baby, but a bit clumsy with all respect. Yeah. What do you like with uh, Taylor Ann? Well, I, the very first day I brought her home from the hospital, she threw up on me and I had to change her diaper. And I said, "This is great." <laughs> I mean, it was like I was ready to get involved, ready to do this. I was the tour was over, and I was ready to say, "This is it." I got three months. I've taken this time off and nothing but her. And it was a really tiring experience because every two hours we were getting up. Not we, an easy world to grow up in, though, is it? The showbiz world, with you two being very famous as well. The kid's really smart already. She's really smart. She's smarter than I was. She reads books. I never read books. She makes me read her books. It's amazing. She's 15 months and she'll come over and sit down and bring a book and sit right in my lap and go, and grab my finger and point things out. So I have a feeling that, that she will do that. And I also have a feeling that we got a good handle on this life to move out of the areas that are full of stupid press and stupid stories and stuff that could hurt her, you know, and take her to a place where she can grow up in a normal environment. So you think you won't move away from Hollywood in due course? Definitely. Yeah, I wouldn't raise her there. Well, you can. There's a couple of places that are actually very close to Hollywood, like an hour away, mm. that are great communities, and you know. And I think that that if I teach her that it's show business and to listen to me and not to everybody else, she'll be fine. Mm. Are you expecting to have brothers and sisters for Taylor around soon, or? I don't know. No, I'm not yet. I don't know. I can't. I'm trying to imagine that. I'm trying to see see that in my. I don't. I can't see that yet. I have this film career that I really want to pursue and not get bogged down with the with the family thing. I'm really happy just with Taylor Ann. I think that that if another child came tomorrow, we'd be really happy because they have someone to play with, and I hear that's the way to go. Is Taylor Ann top priority in your life, or is your career? Taylor Ann is definitely top priority in my life, above everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you'd give everything up for her if you had to. If I had to, yeah, I would. I mean, I mean. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of a ridiculous question, you know. Mm. Has it ever happened to anyone? Uh, but how much time are you actually at home together? A lot. When we're doing Baywatch, I mean, we're home in the morning and home in the night and mm. home on the weekend. Yeah. Except for the last five or six weekends, we've been either working or whatever. But she comes to the beach all the time. You've even got Taylor Ann on one of your records, haven't you? Yeah, she sings on my... And she was supposed to be on this other record, and I damn... I forgot. I wrote a song for her called Taylor Ann, The World is Waiting Just for You. And, I, and she says, Dad, Dad. I was going to have her on the first record go, Wah! and the second record go, Dad, Dad. And I forgot. And the damn thing's already being pressed. And I was like, about a week ago, I said, I can't believe it. And because um, she's saying it great now, you know, mm-hmm. she's starting to say everything, you know, mm-hmm. she's just beginning to say thank you and I love you and the moon and mm-hmm. nose and ear and eye and it's great to, just to watch her discover things mm-hmm. and... Uh, I want to ask you about your car actually because everybody's fascinated to know what type of car you drive. And I got a uh, Porsche 928 and a 190 SL Mercedes 1960 that I restored and I'm driving Audi. It's our family car that was actually given to us by Audi of Germany, and it's a fantastic four-wheel um, steer car that is so safe and wonderful, and we absolutely love it. And but does it was it free. to you? Uh, no, but we occasionally talk to it. <laughs> like, don't run out of gas. Oh, please, get me there, get me there. What happened to the, to the car you use in the series of Knight Rider? Well, I built a couple of them and toured them in Europe for a while, and uh, I have one, one car living in Vienna, 
there's a few replicas floating around um, the United States. They actually crushed all the, we had nine of them, completely idiots at Universal crushed the car. Did you never fancy having one yourself? And well, I had a Trans Am that was rigged like a kid car to do all kinds of stunts, mm. and I ended up selling it. Mm. Because it was costing me like 4000 a year in insurance, and I wasn't even driving it. Mm. And I sold it for like $7,000, and then went over to Germany, and they were auctioning off a Trans Am that looked like Kit, and sold for 100,000 marks, and I almost threw up. $60,000 I could have gotten for that damn car. Mm. But uh, In the same vein, is it difficult to go on the beach because people expect you to save their lives and things like that? And people look at you as the lifeguard. No, they, they, they just... People really respond in a positive way to me, you know? They just, hi, Dave. They all act, they all act mm. like, like they know me, mm. you know? And, and sometimes I kind of, you know, respond pretty well back. You know, I'm a little gun-shy because mm. I've gotten burned a couple times, so mm. I don't know if anybody's trying to be a jerk or something, mm. you know? But um, ninety percent of the people are really very nice, and, and because of the characters that I play, and it, it's me, and they know that. You know? Do you like going down the beach though, and um, hanging out down there, or do you try and avoid that? Depends on the beach. Venice Beach is a zoo. Mm. I don't like going down there. I like going down to Venice on my own time mm. with the guys. You know, if I got a hat on, you know, and just and then I go down and I play ball. And if anybody gives me any shit, I give it back mm. to them. I'm not a TV star. I'm just mm. a person, and you're gonna have to deal with me as a person. And I'm mm. different as a person. I'm just, just I want my respect. Mm. Go down there with my wife and my child. I wouldn't go down there because then I have to, you know, kind of be a little cooler, you know. Mm. But there's different places like Redondo Beach or Huntington Beach, which are mm. cooler and nicer yeah. and stuff. But I, you know, I just for a long time I would if somebody would say something to me that was nasty and aggressive. I'd kind of take it. I don't take it anymore, you know, and it gets me into trouble. Because your patience is running out as you get I, older. Some sort of jerk, yeah, it's jerk mm. to me. I let them know right away that I don't buy it, you know, mm. and that they're going to have to be responsible for the remarks they make, mm. especially to me or my wife, you know, because mm. I don't you, deserve it. How do you feel about getting older and the passing of time and stuff? Do you worry about that? Not at all. No. Not at all. I look at my father. He's 68 and he's rocking and rolling, mm. going everywhere with me. Mm. I just, I just thank God that... Uh, a lot of rock stars are, are yeah. older than me. Do you worry about the ravages of time affecting your looks, though? Because you're I very have famous a, for your looks. I have a feeling that uh, I'm going to be like Dick Clark. Like in, I'm going to probably age 30 years, like overnight. You know, mm. I'm going to wake up going, "Oh my God, I really look 40." You know, so I'm, it, I'm 39 now. Do you spend a lot of time in Germany? How much time exactly do you spend out there? Oh God, I don't know. I was there 11 times last year. Because um, you're actually from Germany originally, aren't you? In I fact, don't know. Some people actually were in a magazine saying they were my parents, parents, parents. Right. And had a, held up a picture of me. Hilarious. There's my long lost relative. Is that the National Enquirer? No, no, it was some German magazine oh, saying that they were Hasselhoffs. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I think there were some Hasselhoffs from Dusseldorf, or maybe there were some Dusseldorfs from Hasselhoff. I don't mm. really know. Nor do I really care. It's not mm. a big deal with me, sure. you know. I. I there must be something there because mm. there's a connection that I have with those people mm. that's absolutely incredible, mm. you know. They're just really loyal. Mm. I mean, they're really... It must be something. I still can't figure it out. I, I was asking uh, Jose Luis Moreno. I, the same thing happened in... But see, it, does, it happens everywhere. Mm. You know, if I could... I, I did it in Spain. All these big performers got up and performed, and I sang my song. The first time I sang in Spain, the, play, the whole room was covered with flowers. They just threw it. I was, and women were, I was singing, 
one and one makes three, and they were crying, and I'm going, what's going on here? You know, and it was the first time I was there, and I, Jose Luis Moreno was the, the host of the show, mm. the biggest variety show there. I said, what is it? What's mm. going on? He says, it's communication. He says, you have a way of absolutely communicating right to that person. But how do you feel about having girls screaming at you wherever you go, and, and being so adored, and people are putting posters on their walls in places you've never even been to? I, it's, it's in, in, probably in an English word, it's a bit of a giggle. It just makes me laugh. It just, I have no idea how I feel about it. You know, I think it's ridiculous at times, you know. But then I think that it's very flattering and it's great because it's, for me, I'm happy because it's opened up the world. I've been to 40 countries and I've never paid for a ticket. I have figured out how to go because of these little girls and because of my fans. They've given me the, the strength, and I give it back to them. I go to Portugal, and I'll do these shows, and I'll, even without a record, people come in to see me, and, and there's an energy there. There's an exchange. I get energy from my fans. I don't mm. push them away. I say, come on. You want a lot of grab? You got it. You like this show? Right on. Yeah, some you know? can get a bit out of control. Have you ever had any? Well, I've had a lot of those, yeah. Can you yeah. tell me if you... That's, uh, those are the ones that are now that are starting to get me a little a little more uh, distance, right. you know, from them. But I'm talking on, on a general level, you Can know. Can you give me some examples? I've had a couple people come to my house uh, from foreign countries who want to live with me and move in and hang out outside, and people who followed me all over the world and appeared in the front row of every concert, people who come to my hotel room in every hotel I've been to. Um, so they frighten you? They frighten me because you never know. Yeah, they, yeah, they do. Because you go, these people are, you know, kind of a life do they have? Do you have any? Have you had any nasty incidents? No, not yet. My parents were knocked down once by some fans trying to get to me, and that really upset me. And there was one girl that came from Hamburg and said she wanted. I was actually in Berlin and had a suitcase, and she wanted to move in with David Hasselhoff for two weeks. And she wouldn't leave at the front of my house, and I had to call the police on her. It was a sad case because she was just messed up in her head. Most of these people are mentally something's wrong with them. They're not they're not per se violent, they're just obsessed with having someone to care. You know? To a lot of people, you know, being a married man, a lot of people know about that. It must be must be sort of quite damaging to your image in a way. Did you think about that when you got married? No. No, it's actually been very good for my image. In fact, um um when I was on stage in Germany. I wasn't married when my first record came out. I was married when my first record came out when I was in Austria, which was called Night Rocker, which was a terrible record. But then my, my big record, Looking for Freedom, I was, I was divorced. And my, my uh, producer said the same thing. Oh, my God, you're getting married. And I said, yes, yeah, so what? I said, I got to live my life, man, you know? So what happened was I went on stage and I said, mine, and I introduced my wife. And there was a song where I say, do you want to dance? And I bring a little girl in the audience and I dance with her. And at the end, I had my, my, my parents or my wife come on and take a Polaroid picture of me and the girl on stage. And I'd say, mine follow ninth, which is my wife plus one. And uh, the audience started throwing, from that moment on, baby bottles and baby clothes instead of, instead of their underwear. Instead of their underwear. And I've had that, too. They throw underwear, too, at the same time. But they would throw this. I came home with six garbage bags full of stuffed animals in baby clothes. All my baby bottles are in German. I used to laugh, cause trying to re read this German, I had to put this bottle together at four in the morning, and I was going another German bottle, and, and hundreds and hundreds of stuffed animals, and flowers that would go this high on the stage is what happened to me in Germany. So 
people would say, well, how do you feel about that? I said, well, God, why do you make this out to be negative? That mm. I appeal to children. My God, it's the most positive, wonderful thing in the world. Having know? all these fans is an extraordinary ego trip, though. Do you find it hard not to get vain and arrogant about it all? Are you vain and arrogant? No. I find it, um, I'm getting arrogant now because of this publicity I'm getting. I'm getting very, very pissed and very, very upsetting. And I'm going to probably get myself in a lot of trouble because I'm really pissed at the way I've been used in this situation. And, uh, I, and I find that very stressful and it's affecting me. But vain and arrogant, no, I, uh, How do you feel no. about the way you look, though? I really work hard. That's my problem. I really work hard to look this way. I mean, I work out all the time. I'm in the gym an hour and a half a day. I run. I work out. I have to be in good shape because I'm a, I'm a lifeguard. Yeah. You know, and I, and when I was on Night Rider, I never worked out, and I was a lot heavier, and I used to drink all the time. It was a raw, hard, rocking set. And at the end of the show, we'd have about four or five scotches, and that'd be it. Nobody ever took off their shirt, so I was about 10 pounds heavier. Then all of a sudden, I did this movie with Joan Collins called The Cartier Affair, and I got on the exercise bike, and I went into training, and I lost 8 pounds. Huh? About 8 pounds on doing with the, uh, when I worked out with Joan, for Joan Collins. And I got this thin face, and I went, oh, wow, I like this look. So from that moment on, I've stayed with that, with that look. So I work out all the time, and I, when I look better, I feel better. A message to your fans all over the world? A message to my fans all over the world. Thanks for your support. I will continue to try to provide you with the best work I can possibly do. Personal hopes for the future? Personal hopes for the future? Happiness. That's all. I just want to be happy. Whatever. Right now, I'm very happy. Things are, are hectic, but they're, they're really good. They're really good. Um, just just to be happy on a personal level. I'm Peter Jonathan Robertson. If you'd like to comment on this or any other interviews in the PJ archive, you can find me on Twitter at PeterJonathanR2. It'd be good to hear from you or have you follow me.